This is Leslin from Try This at Home. Do you ever find yourself procrastinating? Do you have a hard time getting motivated? We're talking about motivation today, and we've got some great tips for you. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. When your day goes south or your relationship gets salty, you need tools that will turn it around. With decades of experience and a variety of perspectives between them, Leslie Sleesman and Leslin Kantner bring you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating your best life. Together, they're sharing ideas you can take home and try. Each week, their discussion will zero in on one idea, one technique, or one activity that has the potential to make your life a little better. And now, here is Leslie and Leslin with Try This at Home. Good morning, Leslie. It is a fantastic morning. I think that must mean your kids are in school. <laughs> I I love my kids being in school. Mm-hmm. Can I just tell you? Mm-hmm. I am such a better mom when they go to school. Oh, for sure. You can breathe for a few minutes, right? Oh, it is really hard running two businesses during the summer with three mm-hmm. young kids, can mm-hmm. I just say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there are other people that do it with me and that, and that know this feeling, but oh my gosh, I'm so happy they're back in school. <laughs> of course. You know, I remember I was the mom at the bus stop when my youngest daughter started school, and there were a couple of us there who were putting all of our kids on the bus for the first time, or maybe it was the first kid, you know, but there were a lot of women crying. I've never shed a tear. I was doing a happy (laughs) There's this thing now that they have called um, the boo-hoo, woo-hoo breakfast for kindergartners in the school district my children attend. And my my kids actually never went to kindergarten in the district. They went to a different school. But um, I'm like, boo-hoo, woo-hoo. I'm like, my friend's like, yeah, you know, for parents that are boo-hoo sad about it, they come and have breakfast. And then parents that are happy can still come and have breakfast. I'm like, there's no boo-hoo in my life (laughs) at that school. Well, first of all, I mean, let's face it, kids are generally happier when they're spending the day with their friends, right? I mean, by the mid-August, kids are going, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. My kids knew they couldn't say that to me because I would instantly give them a dust rag or Uh a mop because there is always something to do at our house. Oh, yeah. And mostly I'm just glad that they're getting off devices for a good solid seven or eight hour stretch during the day because that's really hard to pry those out of their little sticky fingers yeah for sure i hear that a lot from people yeah so one of this one of the suggestions in my book is to create a no phone zone Mm. or an electronics free environment you know and i think we all could benefit from saying oh you're in the den no ipads in the den yeah. Or no phones in the den or the kitchen, you know, right at the dinner table, for example. Yeah, I'm really bad about that. I play on my phone at dinner. <laughs> I might want to suggest that you <laughs> consider setting a different example. I probably need to. <laughs> Look, to each his own. It's not a judgment. It's more of a, you know, we. It's it's really hard to say to our kids, 
because I promise you they're going to turn around and say, well, why are you doing it? Right. <laughs> we to teach them to, to do something if we're doing it. Although I did see something funny the other day. Um, it was like, you know, they say that kids do as you do and we need to set a really good example. Well, they see me clean all the time and they, they aren't doing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know what, though, I will tell you, and this is just 20 years later, they will. Yeah. They will eventually. I, I surely hope so. I promise you, all four of my kids who were one moment in their lives just utter slobs <laughs> live independently in apartments with pine salt smells. Oh, I, so I promise you, it will happen. It brings a tear to my eye. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> no dishes in the sink. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's my kind of living. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today? So today we're going to talk about motivation because last week we talked about habits and motivation for changing habits is, isn't really a perfect follow-up to that, oh, yeah. right? People are constantly coming to me with questions of, I'm so unmotivated. And sometimes people think that unmotiv their inability to get motivated is a signal of depression. And right. it can be, but it doesn't have to be. So what is it if it's not that? It, it could be just you're stuck, right? Yeah. It could be a break that your body is trying to take. It could be, I would say, more than ever or more than anything else, it's a sign that you don't really want what it is you're trying to do. Yeah. And so you're simply not motivated. I had, I'm generally a really motivated person. Mm -hmm. I my husband all the time is like, why are you still doing things? Like, stop. Like, mm -hmm. I, I just have energy and motivation to do all the things all the time. Yeah, we're liking that way. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't realize, I guess, how lucky I was to be that way. I consider that to be a blessing that, that I have that motivation. Sometimes it's a curse. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I realized how hard it can be when it goes away because it did happen for me. Mm -hmm. It went away. Um, I'm usually very eager to work and I'll, I, I love what I do. So working at night, I, I enjoy it. That's mm -hmm. what I, I'm choosing to do after the kids go to bed. Um, and then one day I wasn't motivated anymore. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling you about this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I said, you know, this this is it's been a couple months now and I just really haven't felt motivated and I'm a little I'm a little nervous because <laughs> when you when you're an entrepreneur um, there's no one telling you you have to do something if you're not motivated to do it and you don't do it it doesn't get done period yeah entrepreneurs and all type A personalities yeah um, and I remember you saying you know what are you doing about it and I said well I'm just kind of letting it be right now, just kind of feeling it out, waiting it out. Um, and ultimately, truthfully, I think that it lasted about a year and a half um, where I just was unmotivated to work. I still did work. I did not work nearly as often. Mm -hmm. um, I rarely worked at night at home. Mm -hmm. And my business suffered a little bit because of it, mm -hmm. I would say for sure. Mm -hmm. but that was really hard, like really hard. If you sit back and think about what was happening before that lack of motivation popped up, mm -hmm. would you say that you were going on full cylinder for an extended period of time prior to that? 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what happens when you drive a car at full speed for an extended periods of time? All kinds of bad things. Precisely. <laughs> you know, it's like I said, people with type A personalities, entrepreneurs, we give and give and give and give and give and work and work and work. And then we burn out yeah. and burnout is unacceptable for some people. <laughs> and it's not productive, right? Burnout is not productive. Nope. And so all kinds of self-judgment starts happening. And my advice typically is to say, take a deep breath, focus on what you have to do on the responsibilities, mm -hmm. and let yourself rest. Yeah. And that that's ultimately what I did. And I don't, I truthfully don't know what caused me to kind of get it back. Um, because I, I feel like I'm kind of just now over the last couple months getting it back. Maybe your battery just got recharged. Maybe my battery got recharged. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, people think, oh, I'm unmotivated to do the laundry. That's no big deal or whatever. But sometimes like it is a really big deal and it's really scary. Um, and you start to think like, what if I never feel like good or motivated about this particular thing again? What's going to happen? Like it, it can be serious. You know, I'm often when I hear that, I'm often reminded of and I'm going to be roughly paraphrasing this mm -hmm. um, in the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She talks about creativity and she talks about ideas and as I was reading the book, I imagined her describing, I'm not saying she did, but I'm going to, this is the picture that kind of went through my head, that ideas move through the cosmos almost like on um, jet streams or, or um, what's the thing in the water, the ocean? Currents. Currents, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like on currents, right, through the air. And that they visit you. And you either grab onto it and you do something with it or you don't. Right. Now, I once read that people wake up in the morning, that 10 people will wake up with the same idea. Mm -hmm. Three will act on it and one will follow through. And I find that really interesting because she describes this book idea that she had about... Um, Set in, set in the Amazon and there were certain characters and she goes into description, but she, she outlined it, but she never really started working on it. Mm -hmm. And then she was at a book conference once mm -hmm. and started talking to this woman who started talking about her creative work and it was a book set in the Amazon <laughs> with these characters who do a certain something and there were so many similarities for her. It was validation that there was this idea oh. that kind of moved along on this current a couple people grabbed. Mm -hmm but only one followed through with. Yeah, that's interesting. It's it's really fascinating. Yeah. A few years ago, I uh, was part of a web startup, and so I became, I was really involved in a community of entrepreneurs um, that were doing web startups. Yeah. And what they constantly were talking about is how they had this really great idea, and then they'd pop online, and there'd be three other people <laughs> developing that idea. <laughs> Um, and so I think it's a real thing. Yeah. And how that applies to motivation is, is I think of it a lot like those ideas that run on a current, like motivation kind of runs on a current. And <laughs> that you plug into that sometimes. Yeah. But I would also tell you, and I know I mentioned this a little bit last week, that 
inevitably, motivation has to connect to something you want. Yeah. And has to connect to your values at the core. You know, if you don't like what you're doing, mm-hmm. if you, you know, I could no sooner work on Donald Trump's campaign <laughs> than I could dive off the edge of the of the Grand Canyon. I mean, the, neither one of those things connect to something that's remotely desirable. Right. Me, right. Yeah. Um, I would not find, well, you could pay me a million dollars and I wouldn't have the motivation to do it because it right. doesn't connect with my value. Yeah. And that's interesting, too, because often we think of money can be motivating to some people, but not not if it goes against what your value is. Yeah. Unless... I value money more than I do my integrity. Right. Right. And I mean, let's face it. Some people do. Yeah, sure. Okay. That's very important to some people. Yeah. Yeah. If I valued money more than integrity, then it would absolutely be possible for me. But that's the key is that, and there's often little self-awareness about that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm working with a client who, who comes in and says, I'm really having a hard time getting motivated, I'm going right to... What do you want? What do you value? Yeah. What is at the core of your authentic self? Mm-hmm. You know, because when you tell me that you're judging yourself for laying around watching Married at First Sight all day, <laughs> um, which, by the way, I've done and I don't judge myself at all. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to say, well, then you must have wanted a break. Right. Yeah. Or needed a break. Yeah. Or yeah. at the very least needed one. But most of us do what we want to do. Yeah. We, but we, we don't necessarily have an awareness that that's what we want. Yeah. And the crazy thing about motivation to me is that, you know, sometimes you can try to like muscle through it with your mind, right? So I can mm-hmm. say, okay, I, I own this business. I absolutely have to design a new product or these people are going to flee because they're bored with what I have. I need to sit down and design it and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it at Starbucks with my favorite drink. And I'm going to get everything, all the conditions just right so I can do it. And I Mm -hmm. pull up Adobe Illustrator and I'm sitting there thinking about it. And four and a half minutes later, I'm watching Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Like There is just no muscling through it sometimes. It just isn't there. Well, and I might suggest that in that moment, you don't want to be thinking about John's tire service. Right. Right. And I'm making that up. So yeah. sorry, John, if you're, the, if you're a real person. Um, yeah. it, you know, it's do I really want to be designing a flyer for tires? Yeah. You know, I think that right. we do that because it pays the bills. But if it's not something you want to do, right. if you'd rather be doing wedding invitations, mm-hmm. for example, then it's going to be much more fun and much more. You're going to be connected to the wedding invitation. Right. Um, I learned early on as a therapist that there were certain kinds of client work that I wasn't willing to do. Right. That even if it meant that I wasn't going to be making money, I wasn't willing to, for example, I don't work with small children, not because I don't think that children need help, not because, I, I mean, I, I was a mom with kids at home. And it broke my ever-loving heart yeah. to have a kid come in who was being emotionally abused. 
and I had to send them home to those abusive parents every week. I couldn't do anything. Right. And even though it was a paycheck and it was helping the kid, I couldn't bring myself because it wasn't a part of them, right? It wasn't, I want to help people. I I do that. But the rest of it didn't align with my core values. Yeah. Hmm. I couldn't do it. So I had a client years ago who had quit a job rather um, haphazardly, right, and very spontaneously. But this client hadn't liked what they'd done. They did it because it was um, a paycheck, Mm -hmm. you know, and she felt like she was contributing to the family in a very large way. But she didn't like it. It had been, There were so many changes with the company along the way that she just felt ultimately that she wasn't offering the kind of service that she wanted to provide. And she came in and she's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to work. I mean, I have to work. I want to work. I want to make a lot of money. Don't we all? <laughs> but, but I'm not, I'm not motivated to go hunt for a job. Mm-hmm. And the problem was, as I saw it, that she wasn't motivated to hunt for a job in the same industry that had provided so much displeasure. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But that doesn't sound like an acceptable answer, <laughs> well, right? Well, no. Right? It's, and that's where we struggle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, you know, if we talk about the, the motivation to lose weight, mm-hmm. right? If you become content with how you look then the reason that you're the reason that you're that you're um trying to lose weight must be from some external drive and and right motivation has to be intrinsic in order to really function well yeah to take hold in your life yeah yeah yeah. okay so we have a little list here that we want to go through and i'm just going to backtrack for one second Mm -hmm. so we talked about connecting to our values that's the first thing Mm yeah um the second thing is finding your why so knowing why you you want to do something making sure that you are aware of what your motivation is or what the you know what the why are you doing it yeah so the third thing this is really interesting change your why what's that about so sometimes we're doing things for the wrong reason right so if if I'm losing weight because I want my husband to love me, that's the wrong reason. Yeah. I'm not going to be motivated for that. Again, yeah. if it doesn't come from this intrinsic place. But if I'm, if he's telling me or making suggestions that um, I might be happier, smaller, for example, um, there's probably some truth to that. I mean, this is somebody who loves me, right? Knows and you may- well. Yeah. Knows me well. Maybe he's trying to be supportive and help me. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm open to thinking about it differently and connecting to it from a place inside instead of a defensive place, even at work, yeah. right? If your boss comes and says, um, if you want a raise, you need to do this job. I'm, I'm kind of grappling for an example here. Yeah. But maybe the raise isn't motivating me, but I want the recognition. So instead of doing it because he's telling me I should want the raise, I need to kind of find something in me that's going to connect to this task at hand. Yeah, like perhaps the product is really useful and will help a lot of people once it comes to market or something like that. You believe in the end result more than you 
connect with the race. Yeah, it's exactly. It's finding an a alternative reason. My son um, didn't, I used to have to battle with him to get in the shower. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you don't have to take a shower. But you need to make a decision about whether or not you want to smell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So you may not want to do this. And we talked about that a little bit last week when we talked about habits. Yes. And looking for the motivation. You right. Always try to connect it to something you want. Because if you want it, you're likely to go more toward it. Yeah. I tell my kids that with their teeth brushing. Like, if you don't brush your teeth, we're, we're going to take you to the dentist like we always do. And you're going to have cavities. And it's going to be painful to get them filled. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to love that. Yeah, fear works. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Totally works. <laughs> I, but isn't that the truth, right? Sometimes you're working to make sure that what you don't want is avoided. Yeah, it's true. And that if that's the motivation, then that's the motivation. Right. Remember, I when I years ago when I stopped smoking, I, what I said is I want to be a non-smoker. Mm-hmm. That was my, I, sometimes, and we might have talked about this in one of our earlier podcasts, but in um, hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming, what we know is, is that the brain can't really hear negatives. Oh, that's interesting. So if you're going to, like if I'm hypnotizing somebody to not smoke, I'm going to say you don't want a cigarette because the brain doesn't connect it's the brain's going to say, you want a cigarette. They're not going to hear the don't. Oh, right. Okay. okay. So you have to frame it differently. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of framing it in a different way. And that seems to make a big difference also when we're talking about motivation. Yeah. Okay. So similar to uh, that, change the how. Yeah. So this is a little trick I use. <laughs> so there's a, I actually have a story about this in my book too, because when I was teaching, the Elevate class, one of the things that I have people watch is Mel Robbins. She has this five-second rule. She talks about, she really talks a lot about motivation and her, and getting things done in the, her five-second rule. And it's a book also. You can pick that up. But what's funny is that I kind of misunderstood that, and I framed it differently to my students. And I said, okay, you guys, how many of you followed the five-minute rule this week? And I got no response. <laughs> and I was really confused. And at the time, my daughter was taking the class, and she messaged me personally. And she's like, Mom, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, you know, Mel Robbins' five-minute rule. And she's like, Mom, it's the five-second rule. And I was a little Whoops. embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> but the reality was, as I was saying, look, you guys, nobody wants to clean the toilet. I mean, I don't know anybody out there who really likes getting their face down in a toilet and scrubbing it. No. Right? No. Nobody wants to go pick up dog poop. (laughs) Seriously. I don't have a dog. (laughs) We don't. There's lots and lots of things that are just, of course, normal not to want to do, let alone, I don't really want to put away the dishes. I don't want to write today. I don't want to make my bed. I don't feel like doing laundry. That's just life. Right. Yeah. But I'm the five-minute rule, and I guess this is Leslin's five-minute rule now, <laughs> since I kind of made it up, is to give yourself five minutes. Set mm-hmm. the timer. Do it for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, we might even have talked about this when we talked about time management um, really early in our, um, in our series. Because, number one, 
we can do anything for five minutes. Yes. Okay. All of us can do anything for five minutes, especially <laughs> if we reward ourselves with a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I talked about it as the, I think as the two minute rule, because I, I say like, just do it if it takes you less than two minutes. And, and the thing is most things that you dread take you less than two minutes. Yeah. You can clean a toilet in two minutes or less. Yeah. Yeah. Or definitely five, right? It might take me more than two minutes to put away the dishes and I, I pack that thing full. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it is kind of the same thing now. Right. If I remember right, you said just stop what you're doing, get up, do the two-minute thing, and then go come back. Yeah, I, I suggest don't even write it on your to-do list if yeah. it takes less than two minutes. If if you can, obviously, there's some caveats there, but yeah. And I say I'm going to put it on my list. I'm going to, because I want to see it, I'm going to commit to five minutes of it. If at the end of five minutes I'm not willing to continue, then I give it up. That's right. I let go of it mm-hmm. and I stop. And tomorrow I'll do five more minutes. Yeah. And eventually the dishes will get unloaded or the toilet will be clean. Or, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, you might be dragging it out, but hey, it'll get done. Yeah. You know, I talked last week about hating to exercise. And I have a, um, what are those? I used to call them stairmasters. What are they? Elliptical. Oh, yeah. Down in the basement. And I tried this with the elliptical. And I will tell you, I did it. I did not do it for 66 days, and therefore it did not become a habit. (laughs) But I really did sit down and say, okay, I can do five minutes on this stupid machine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I did it in the winter before bike riding season, but then I just decided after I could ride my bike that I didn't want to do the elliptical. Yeah. But, you know, I think really making sure that you are – Committing at least five minutes to something yeah. will help you uh, with motivation. Yeah, and if you're if you're on the elliptical for five minutes and you think, well, I'm not going to go for ten, but I'll go for six. Yeah, then it's a benefit, right? Yeah, yeah. That's an extra one minute. Of course, That's great. And then the next thing you can do, and this is really important too, is connect what you're trying to do to a good feeling. Mm, yes. Right? Yeah. Um, put on some really powerful music. Music that makes you feel good, that you know, helps you feel good. Or a really interesting podcast. <laughs> or you could put on an interesting podcast. An audiobook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something that is is connecting to a, a feel-good sensation. And this is going to sound really crazy to some people, but I went to San Antonio once. And we were down at the Riverwalk, and... Right where the Riverwalk and the Marriott kind of connect, some of you may know this, there's like an open atrium, and the sun was shining, and the boats come in there, and they turn around there, and you can sit, and some dude was way up in the corner playing a pan flute. Hmm. And the combination of the sound of the water, the pan flute, the sun in my face was one of, there was just something about that that resonated really deep inside of me. Yeah. And so if I'm, especially if I'm going to write, I put on pan flute music because I am instantly transported back to the sensation of how good it felt there. Yeah. I kind of do that in a, in a much less sexy way with, (laughs) (laughs) with like cleaning and organizing. Um, I know the feeling of having everything clean and organized and how and how good that makes me feel and how at peace it makes me feel um and so when i when i have a lot to clean or organize i kind of 
I'm to the point where I get really excited about doing it because I know that the end result is this feeling. The anticipation of that yeah. really good feeling. Yeah. yeah, so it almost turns it into like an excitement yes. almost. Yeah, for sure. And I think here again, we're just, we're talking about connecting something really positive, mm-hmm. the, the feeling of something, and re- and spending some energy remembering that feeling yeah. to, and, and plugging it into the thing that you don't really want to yeah. do. Because I think sometimes we forget that we can make really boring or mundane things fun. Like they mm-hmm. don't have to, your chores don't have to be miserable. Like you can take steps to make them fun. I'm trying to think of a fun chore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for me, I, I do the listening to podcasts and audiobook mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And so I feel accomplished, actually. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that I get to, you know, listen to this book or whatever while I'm folding laundry, which is the most despised task in my house. But yeah, yeah truly. And, you know, I, I mean, we've said this on other podcasts, too. The anticipation of the pain of the experience mm-hmm. is always so much bigger than the actual experience. And I think remembering that um, is also very important, you know, and that's, yeah. I can sit on my sofa, which is, I kind of sit there and put my laptop on my lap and write. And on it, if it's, if the sun is shining, I look across and if there's dust, it bothers the crap out of me. Yeah. Now, sometimes it doesn't bother me enough to get up. Mm-hmm. And other times it bothers me enough that I have to get up, yeah. go grab a damp rag and dust. It literally takes less than two minutes, like you said. Yeah. yeah. And then when I look up, I don't see it and I feel good. Yeah. And generally speaking, I found that it makes you more productive after the fact. Because um, you're not sitting there contemplating the dust. Right. Um, Becky and I, the girl that works with me, Um, we will be in like super busy time planner making and we will be, I mean, the office is chaos. There's paper scraps and things everywhere and boxes and we're just so like nose to the grindstone. And both of us are kind of similar in that we like our space tidy and we function better. And there has been times where we are so busy that we really shouldn't stop, Mm -hmm. but we have to. Mm -hmm. And we're like, okay, we have to clean. Like it's it's like our stress relief. Like mm-hmm. we know that if we just stop and tidy everything up, we will go so much faster yeah. and be so much more productive afterwards. Well, and at the end of the day, you want to be there then. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. for oftentimes, and Marie Kondo talks about this a lot, <laughs> yeah. right? That you can't function in spaces mm-hmm. that are disproportionate to your to your capacity for comfort. Yeah, sure. I think that's huge. I think people very frequently underestimate the power of their surroundings in being motivated personally. But. Yeah. And it would be really interesting. I've never been, um, I've never gotten educated about feng shui, mm-hmm. but it would be really interesting for um, anybody who's listening to us to, to share with us their experience yeah. if they arrange their environment to be compatible with a feng shui yeah, I don't know anything about it either. You know, it's when you like position yeah. your chair to the north or whatever. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I don't know. There was I when I was growing up, I lived next door, and my neighbor put a um, like a piece of really tall privacy fence right at the end of her patio, um, and I inquired about it, and she said it was feng shui, but I was too young to really even register what the heck that meant. And I, I like, wonder oh, if she okay. was being facetious. I I don't think so. No, I th- that that's something that she would have done. Okay, kind of fit in with her personality. But um, okay, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting, but yeah, yeah, you know, so, I mean, 
again, I really do invite anybody listening to share with us um, their experience with feng shui and how it might help with motivation or, any, or feel good. Yeah, any books or materials that you found helpful, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, and maybe the last thing that's super important, is to understand that action actually comes before motivation. This is important with um, developing new habits also. You have to actually engage in an action before you can be motivated to do the action. Can you give me an example? Okay, well, let's go back to the five-minute rule. Okay. Right? I'm, maybe I'm not motivated to put away the dishes, but if I just go ahead and do it, I will more than likely end up motivated to finish the task. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Action precedes motivation. You're taking the first step. That's right. Yeah. It, a conscious first step and then the motivation follows. Yeah. That's good. I think that definitely helps me for sure. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big part of understanding motivation. You know, I may not be motivated to go out and weed, but the minute I start seeing the effects of that, mm-hmm. motivation will more than likely follow because I really start getting invested in the in the outcome. Yeah, and you like it, and maybe you're getting a little suntan. No, I hate weeding also. <laughs> it sounds like I hate work, too. I hate exercise. I hate work. I mean, there's lots of work I like, but the weeding is not one of them. But I, I love I love the consequence of reading. Not... <laughs> Weeding. <laughs> Weeding, yes. My R and my W got mixed up. I that hasn't happened since I was four. <laughs> I don't like ironing. I won't iron. I'll pay I'll pay any amount the dry cleaner wants. I'm not ironing. Yeah. I don't even own an ironing board. <laughs> I can tell you I don't really enjoy it, but I do own an ironing board. Because sometimes there's just no you know, I just need a little a little iron out, you know, or a little wrinkle. Here's here's a tip for everybody. Downey makes this spray called wrinkle releaser. And it's magical. You spray it on your wrinkle and then you like tug on the fabric and then like smooth it out with your hand. And if that doesn't take care of it, it goes to the dry cleaner. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is I ha- I'm lucky enough to have a space where I can keep my iron and ironing board set up. Mm. And by the time I spray and spread out and stretch, I could have that damn thing ironed out. <laughs> <laughs> you probably could. You bring up a good point, though. Seriously. Sometimes you just need to have access to your stuff. Yeah. Well, we talked about tools last yeah. week, right? Yeah. And having access and the equipment that you need, mm-hmm. that's a big point. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're like me and you hate ironing, mm-hmm. but you're more willing to fix it, whereas I'm not... If I did, just we have a area, like a little room off our bedroom. Mm-hmm. If I just kept an ironing board open mm-hmm. and the iron nearby mm-hmm. and a little bottle of, you know, starch or whatever, mm-hmm. I probably would be much more likely to just go in there and do it. Yeah, by the way, you don't need starch these days. <laughs> you just well, need I a little tell... spray bottle of water. <laughs> well, I tell the um, the dry cleaning people from my husband's shirts to do light starch because oh, yeah. then he wears them No, longer. no, no, no. No shirts. No, no, I'm not doing any shirts. I mean, oh, okay. You, yeah. okay. No, I'm not talking about shirts. I'm talking about <laughs> getting the butt wrinkles out of your skirt. Someone should <laughs> you keep know. a list of all of our fickle. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I am totally on page of you ironing shirts. I did that for years. I would watch soap operas and iron shirts and that was the biggest waste of time I have ever experienced. <laughs> they cost a dollar twenty-five at the store, yeah. and again, I, I'll, I'll give up Starbucks for the rest of my life if yeah. it means I could 
have my shirts done as I 100% would give up quite a bit before I would ever ever iron and I love my husband but there's no way yeah the people who iron sheets and pillowcases really and now to be honest I grew up in the era where ironing was a big deal right yeah and my grandmother would pay me to iron her napkins Oh my god. And so I had really good and ironing a flat square. Well that wouldn't thing, be terrible. No, that's yeah. easy. But shirts or God forbid a pleated something or another. <laughs> you know. Um I had a pleated skirt. It was really one of my favorite pieces of clothing I've ever owned. Yeah. But it had pleats all the way around. And it was fourteen dollars to get dry cleaned, and that was Ooh. twenty years ago. Ooh. And no wonder, because pleats are a pain in the... I've never bought another pleated thing in my no. life. Thank goodness they're kind of out now, right? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. even if they came in, I would... <laughs> it's kind of like candies. The shoes, the platform oh, shoes. Oh, yeah. I wore them when I was in high school. That's... They were the they were the thing. And when they came out again a few years ago, I thought, oh, yeah, this isn't going to last. <laughs> if you'd worn them in the 70s, you wouldn't be wearing them now. <laughs> Anyway. So basically today, everyone got a little lesson on uh, motivation and dry cleaning. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, and maybe what part of what that speaks to is going back to that very first point we made, that motivation has to come from this inside place yep. in order for it to get done. And if you're judging yourself because you can't get motivated for something that doesn't match or mm-hmm. align with who you are, right. that's kind of silly actually everyone can have a couple of these things that they just don't want to do i do not judge anyone for that it is completely fine if you don't want to mow your lawn that is okay if you don't want iron that is okay now i wouldn't go doing that with every single thing in your life that's difficult or annoying because that's just unrealistic and costly quite frankly yeah and assuming of course that we have the privilege of of being able to take our clothes to the dry cleaner or not mow our lawn, right? Yeah, for sure. Not everybody has that privilege. Right. But again, if it's also about choices, mm-hmm. you know, and I probably would give up cable TV before I stopped letting somebody else mow my lawn. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have cable because we've made choices yeah. to put that money elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. See? Totally. I mean, yeah. So anyway, in terms of motivation, uh, remember that it has to be something that comes from the inside. And my last point today is make sure that the only person that you are attempting to impress is yourself. Amen. That's it. Yes. When you only set out to impress yourself, you'll know that motivation is intrinsic. And that's the key. Uh, Again, self-awareness, as in almost everything we talk about, is a primary um, consideration here. And unless you have any other questions for today, I don't. I think that that is our discussion then. We hope that uh, you found it helpful and that you will share it with people that you care about. As always, we are super grateful that you took time to listen. Next week, and I'm so excited to be talking about this, we're going to be talking about fear. So we hope that you will join us then. If you have any questions or comments, we hope you'll reach out on our website, www.trythisathomepodcast.com, where you can subscribe um, to our podcast or, of course, any of the other places that you listen to podcasts. And we would love a rating if you are so inclined. For now, this is Leslie and Leslin, hoping you will try this at home. 
All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.